0: Hello there and welcome to Community Life. Here we talk with the amazing humans from the community world about their life journeys and learn from each other. And today we have a conversation with Brittany Aston, also known as Brittany Chantel, a community manager with such a huge and diverse life and professional experience from military service to sales and program management, from DJing to a music artist with over 2 million Spotify streams. And we got the Moonroof open and we're rolling round. Hair, put it down. You don't care anyhow. Ooh, and you love the sound. Ooh, love yourself. You deserve it now. That's exactly what happened in my mind every time I see her name. So, hello, Brittany.
1: Hi, hi. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm super happy. That's that's exactly what's going on in my mind every time I see your name. And you know, I see mostly your LinkedIn. Every time you post something like. First of all, you post great things, very insightful, and it's really interesting for me to read. And secondly, even before going to the post, I have this song in my mind. So my first question is, how did you come up with this song?
1: It's a great question. Um, And and thank you for tuning in. Um, I came up with this song actually while driving. Uh, which I think a lot of my songs come to me while I'm driving. Um, and I have to like voice record it on my phone. Um, it didn't come to me in the exact format that you hear it now though. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely kind of like thought about how cool would it be. I think it was it was summertime. I was driving in Pittsburgh, um, where I'm from, and I Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for those of you who don't know. Um and i remember thinking about how fun would it be to have somebody kind of like standing up through my moonroof while i'm driving although very dangerous mm-hmm. um and i think i may have like seen that from a recent music video or maybe a movie or something like that and i was kind of just daydreaming about that and how awesome it would be and it and then like i took it a step step uh, you know step further and was like what if it was like my partner and, you know, like my partner is just like feeling herself, feeling themselves. Um, I think I was single at the time. So that's why it, it wasn't, it was, a, it was a daydream for sure. Um, and I came up with the, um, the initial part, you know, we got the moon roof open and we rolling around hey, I put it down. You don't care anyhow. And I didn't have the, Ooh, I didn't have that yet. Um, but I did have, you know, kind of the the basis of what the hook is. Um, and I also had the first portion of that verse, the intro verse, um, uh, kind of laid out in my head as well. And I just kept singing it over and over again. And I, it's often what I do is I keep singing Mm -hmm. it over and over again to try and see if I can like get some more lyrics or more structure to what I'm thinking of. Um, and I'll just turn my voice memos on, on my iPhone and just record. And I think I recorded like nine different versions of it. Um, and then once I was ready to record the song, um, I, you know, linked up with a producer and, um, some really like just awesome, talented artists in Pittsburgh. Um, and not only did they formulate the. The actual music that you're hearing Mm -hmm. in the background because i really wasn't thinking of that too much i usually don't um but they helped me with that and then they also helped me um get the the fillers that i needed within the lyrics you know so the ooh, and um there was definitely like some some lines that where i was just like this needs something or this needs an extra word um and you know you still want to make it to make sense but yeah i had i had some help on that song um with finishing it and um obviously it w- it's a hit <laughs> um everyone everyone that's the song that you know if someone does know my work they usually know Moonroof. um it's the song that has the most listens right now and um it's a song that i you know obviously it, it brings i think a lot of people joy but it brings me a lot of joy um to perform it live because um, it's just this light, airy song, and it's only it's only like a minute and 47 seconds. So you know, it's like it's for the for those who, um, you know, need the instant gratification and you know the quick songs, you know, if you get bored of songs really quickly and you're like, next, next, um, you know, I have ADHD, so I know what that's all about. Um, but you know, if it's if it's something like that for you, I think it's a great song for that.
0: Me personally didn't have enough you know so i i had to listen it like five times to like oh now okay okay it, yeah. it works so but i i, I totally understand like this uh, up to two minutes you know i feel like i feel like the people right now have so small uh, attention span mm-hmm. and still what do you think from your perspective what is like I I always have this question on my mind. I I saw like songs from 10 years ago. They were like for five, six minutes and currently they are getting shorter. So for you, what is the perfect length of the song?
1: Um, For me, I I have tried to dissect, this is a great question. As an artist, I've tried to, I think my last album uh, really speaks to this. I tried so hard to make songs that I thought people would want to listen to. And it really took me away from being a true artist because mm-hmm. instead of creating what I wanted to create, how I wanted to create it, I, I had these ideas and they were songs that I did want to create, similar to how I came up with Moonroof, usually driving in the car or sometimes in the shower. I come up with a lot of ideas in the shower. Um, but I took them and I said, okay, well, how could I make this a radio hit or mm-hmm. how could I get this how could I get their attention right off the bat and keep them there? And I started to look at it as this like, you know, metrics, you know, strategy, you know, thing. And, um, you know, there's layers to this, you know, I didn't really promote that album much, but um, there's not that many listens on that album. And I think that uh, that comes from a, a, a little bit of a lack of, um generosity and and like you know being true and being real Mm -hmm. um i think that sonically it's a great album it sounds beautiful but i think that um when we start to think about how how long should a song be or um you know the structure of a song oh it should be you know hook slash chorus verse hook slash chorus verse bridge chorus you know when we start thinking like to I think that when we start thinking too in depth of to what a song should be, we get away from the actual art of it. And I have really dissected this and and have asked myself, you know, hmm. should I make all of my songs this length on this next album or or anything like that? And I think that the answer that I now have to that question is the song should be done when you're done saying what you have to say. Mm. Um, and I think that that was the case with moonroof. Um, I remember us very, like, I very clearly, I remember us in the studio and we were recording moonroof and I was like, but you know, there's not like this second verse. And we were kind of like, but doesn't need it. You know? Mm. And I was like, well, I said all I have to say, <laughs> I don't know. There's, you know, at that point, if I'm trying to force, it goes back to forcing to, Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm trying to force a second verse, um, that doesn't feel good and that doesn't feel genuine. And, um, so yeah, long, long answer to your question, but I think that a song, a song is done when you're, when you're done saying what you have to say.
0: I can very much like, like, I'm not an artist for sure, but I can really much relate like on LinkedIn posting because I see a lot of people doing, you know, posts and like trying to show themselves out there. And uh, it feels like many of those folks think that they has to have like a huge text. Yeah. Otherwise, nah, it won't it won't be counted. But at the end of the day, it's, yeah, I, I really like how you phrase it. Like when it's enough, it's enough. Like when you said what you wanted to say, yeah, I, I can really feel it. But you know, still, for the moonroof, for me, it was not enough. Yeah. I need more. Yeah, yeah. please give me more.
1: I've uh, <laughs> but, I've talked many times about maybe doing a remix or something like that and uh, seeing seeing where that goes. But nothing is in the works as of now.
0: But <laughs> so you told that uh, some of your songs uh, coming up from writing and some of your songs coming up from singing in the shower. Mm-hmm. Still, what wins, writing or showering?
1: Shower. <laughs> Every
0: time
1: I think that there is this um, I have a lot of I think self-confidence issues with my voice Mm -hmm. and um, I compare myself a lot to other artists especially like R&B artists Um, there's some really talented artists that I um, have been like I guess I grew up around it's not really grew up around because I you know I didn't meet these folks until I was you know 22 23 but um neither here nor there i feel like there is like some very talented r musicians in pittsburgh that i was working with or working around and um not only that but i guess like i could expand that into uh you know the larger artists that that we hear every day on the radio uh the more popular people you know whatever um and i think i do a lot of comparing And so when I'm in the shower, you know, a lot of people (laughs) kind of um, make the joke that when you know you can't sing, you should record your music in the shower. Um, (laughs) And like, there's even like some jokes about like SoundCloud rappers and how SoundCloud (laughs) rappers aren't legitimate and they'll record themselves in the shower um, or in the (laughs) bathroom. Um, And, you know, I'm not by any means like a sound engineer and I really actually don't know much about um you know sound waves and and reverb and all this stuff but i do know that um it's pretty common that you sound great in the in the shower you sound great in the bathroom there's this like echo this there's there's like this reverb um and i think that there's just this um kind of like letting go of Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't care um if my neighbor hears me i don't think they can but maybe they can i don't really care um I, I feel more confident in the shower. Um, so I feel like all of the, the pressure to sound good is kind of gone. And so when that pressure is gone, I think that really like opens up the, um, you know, the door for creativity and to just have, um, an open mind of what do I want to say? And what do I want to share mm-hmm. right now? What am I feeling? I think that's the biggest thing. What am I feeling right now? Um, because anything that I come up with, uh, with in the shower specifically. Um, or in the car. Again, no one can hear me when I'm driving in the car. Um there's just I can really tap in. Anything that I've come up with in the shower has been very vulnerable, very emotional. Um, some things, um, I don't even know if I'll ever record them and, and release them because mm-hmm. they're just so um raw and real and they might just be things that I keep to myself, but um yeah, I think that that's that's really the reason.
0: <laughs> you told that you are comparing yourself to many other artists. And I feel like, you know, I have the senior feeling that there always will be somebody better than us. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you deal with understanding that there are a lot of great people and that i don't know maybe i might not be enough like how how do you have this inner conversations with yourself
1: yeah it's a great question i think i've moved towards the thought process that we can all be great mm. and that there's room for all of us to be great yeah um because i think that there's this kind of sometimes there's this crabs in a bucket mentality that kind of happens especially in the artist world um but you can i mean we really could make that argument for many different fields uh, we could, we could make that our argument for the community professionals field and that there's only, there's only so many slots. And if I am not better than this person, or if I'm not doing, um, these really cool, unique music videos, or, um, if I'm not dressing a certain way or something like that, then I'm not going to, um, you know, be cool enough or sound great enough, or, um, you know, whatever it may be, in order to get to reach those slots. But these slots that we like think of, like, okay, there's, you know, 100,000 slots to be a professional artist. And there's 7 million of us trying to reach those 100,000 slot. Like, where did the slots come from? Like, we never, no one ever said that there's only that many, you know, spots. Um, and I think that it, it's really just coming down to asking myself, what am I making up? What am I what what am I making up in my head? Um and also too, you know, there are some really awesome artists who they themselves have said, I can't sing, I'm not a good singer, but they're <laughs> they they embrace that and they're real and they're raw within their music. And when you go to their concerts, it's not about wow, this person is taking my breath away or giving me chills with their vocal range. It's about I can relate to these lyrics or Mm -hmm. these lyrics are funny. They bring me joy. Mm -hmm. Um, These lyrics have provided healing for me or, or something like that. And so I think that um, I also remember that as well, that I don't need to be this, the best singer. I don't need to have this wild, crazy vocal range, um, or even know what vibrato is or what this is or what that is. You know, it's like, um it's it's again it's getting back to just being real being me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and embracing my true self um and also too there there are things that I could do to enhance my vocal you know capabilities I could go see a vocal coach or a voice teacher or something like that um and so kind of reminding myself that if that's something that I actually really, really worried about, like, truly down to my core, I would do something about it. I would go see a vocal mm-hmm. coach, I would go to, to a voice teacher. And I have a couple times, but I I don't do it consistently. And I think that that's because it doesn't actually truly ring, it doesn't ring true to my core.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think I'd rather work on accepting my voice for what it is, and knowing that I can be just as great of, of an artist as SZA or as, you know, the next leading, you know, r and artist or, or something like that. And I also think that it's interesting that I don't, I don't sing r and but I often compare myself to r and singers. Mm. And I think it's because it's one of my favorite genres. And I think oftentimes, the vocal range is just so amazing and beautiful. And it does give me chills. And it does take my breath away when I go to those concerts. And I think that when I'm at those concerts, I'm like, oh, like, I want to do that for a crowd. But thinking about how could I do that for a crowd in a different way, Mm. yeah.
0: And, you know, like I, my favorites are just like Eminem, Linkin Park, Fort Minor and uh, all those. And, you know, there is no way I could have ever heard about you unless we met in the community world. Mm -hmm. And unless you shared uh, your song on LinkedIn and then I went to it and I love it. So I wonder how do you feel about this serendipity?
1: Um I love it. <laughs> I am all about serendipity. I'm all about um you know, I really like trust in the universe. I think that's a common saying that we've been hearing a lot recently and I I, I believe the universe has my back. I believe mm. that you know, we meet people for a reason. We come in we come in we cross paths for a reason um and i know that sometimes it's a it's difficult to believe that um especially when you may have met somebody with ill intentions or you may have been in a relationship that was toxic or something like that i think it's really difficult to believe in that and um i think that you know there's a fine line with with saying it but i do believe that um we cross paths for a reason you know and and what that reason may be um maybe like an immediate like whoa this is why or maybe two three years five years down the road who knows or maybe you may not even ever really figure it out but i do think that you know we cross paths for a reason
0: i remember this fun story i read somewhere like uh, a person passed away, then went to heaven, and etc. And met God. Like, okay, God, so I'm here right now. So please tell me what was the reason of my life, like what what was the goal of my life. And God was like, okay, do you remember this year when there was a huge conference, and there were so many amazing people, and this conference impacted the world. Person, goes, yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, what's next? And like, do you remember when you prepared your speech and you were going to a stage and person, yes, 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 yes. I remember. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Please go on. And then, and then do you remember this person asked you to light them a cigarette? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Oh, that was your goal of your life. So, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, I feel like, I feel like we never know. What, yeah. what really happens. But I, I totally agree that everything happened for a reason. And, you know, sometimes I really like to trace back, like when I came somewhere, like, okay, how did it start? Like, how mm-hmm. did it start? Like, what was, you know, what, what was the catalyst for it? And I, I, I really like that you said universe. And yeah. I wonder, from your perspective, God and universe, is it the same?
1: For me, it is. Yeah, for me, it is. Um, I I grew up agnostic, um, Mm -hmm. which isn't which is, uh, you know, necessarily the belief that isn't necessarily the belief that nothing exists, but it's the belief that there is something. Um, My parents often would say, yeah, we don't know what's up there. Probably, you know, I don't know something, you know, there's, there's a, there's a bigger power, but we don't know what it is. We're not going to put a name to it, um, or a face to it. And my parents, I'm, I'm really grateful for them giving me the religious freedom that they gave me um because i know not many um not many people are in that position um and are forced into believing something that they don't necessarily align with um Mm. but i do believe that my parents did a really awesome job with that and they were they were like hey yeah you know there's three churches in town if you want to go you can you know walk there (laughs) um you know whatever um but i do believe that for me they're the same. Um, they're they're interchangeable. Um, anytime I read something about God and I change it, I change God to universe. Mm-hmm. It really aligns with me, um, and I think that there's a lot to say within that. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that that's that's been kind of a a realization over the last two, maybe three years for me.
0: I. I feel like it's pretty much the same. And I really like how you phrased it, Then, if you turn the word God to universe, basically it remains the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like something like, you know, something out there, like some kind of energy. And uh, as you started talking about your parents, so let's start from the beginning. Tell me about your parents, who are they?
1: Yeah, um, so my mom and dad, um, well, I was raised in a very small town outside of Pittsburgh. And that's actually the town that my dad grew up in. It's called Oakdale, Pennsylvania. Um, very small town, um, very not diverse. <laughs> At least when I was growing up, I think that it's getting a little bit better. Um, but I'm biracial, my dad is black. Um, my mother is, is white, she's German. Um, and she actually met my dad in Germany because he was in the United States Army and he was stationed in Germany. Um, And they met there Um, and he they ended up moving to New York. Um, This was like after my brothers were born. So I have two twin brothers. They're six years older than me. Um, So the timeline kind of goes, they meet in Germany. Um, My dad's next duty station is Colorado. That's when my brothers are born. And then um, I think that there was some point in time where he had to go back to Germany And then when they came back, we were in New York. Uh, They were in New York. And then I was born in New York City, Staten Island, to be specific, Um, which some people would argue is not New York City. But (laughs) I beg to differ. Um, (laughs) That's me always trying to be proud from like being born in New York City. But like I didn't grow up there at all. Like I was (laughs) born and then pretty much like within a year, I think, yeah, within a year, I, I was probably one year old. I'm trying to think of the timeline, but I think that um very shortly after me being born they moved um to oakdale um so that's where i grew up um and it was a very i think just weird town to grow up in especially being biracial um and then eventually you know in my late teens realizing that i was queer it was like even harder because i felt very very isolated um yeah, it was, it was, I'm not going to like paint it as like this super rough childhood, but there were mm-hmm. definitely, um, some difficulties and some traumas in relation to, um, me being biracial and me being queer.
0: What did your parents say to you when you came up?
1: Um, when I came out, you said?
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, okay. I don't my English words sometimes.
1: God, no, it's it. okay. It's okay. <laughs> um... My parents were very supportive, um, and I'm very, again, very grateful for that. Um, my my coming out was, by any means, not a way that I wanted to come out mm-hmm. as. Um, I actually was in basic training, Army basic training, and I had found out that my high school girlfriend cheated on me Um, while I was at basic training. And it was July 4th, And um, I don't know how they do it now. But then we did not have our cell phones, they took our cell phones away. And mind you, this was 2011. So there were no smartphones, we Mm -hmm. had flip phones, old school. (laughs) Um, You could get on Facebook if you dial it in. But it it was, (laughs) it was it it barely worked. Um, And I remember it was July 4th and they gave us our phones for like seven minutes. And I called my girlfriend first and she didn't answer. I called her again. She didn't answer. I called my best friend and was like, yo, she's not answering. And my best friend had already knew what happened. And she told me, and then I called my dad and mind you, like this is within minutes. Cause we only had like, I think maybe yeah. 10, I'm pretty sure it was like seven and I was crying and he was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, dad, um, you know, my friend, da, da, da. And he was like, yeah. I was like, well, um, we're more than friends. We, we were dating and um, I just found out, you know, that she cheated on me. <laughs> and he is so funny. Like when I say my dad is so funny, he is so funny. He said, <laughs> can I swear? On yeah, me? sure. <laughs> he said, God damn it. He said, me and your mother just went to her graduation party and gave her $50. I'm so mad now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was, it was like really funny Mm. because like, it was like this comedic relief that I needed, you know, like of him not even worrying that I was in a relationship with, you know, someone who isn't a man. And like Mm -hmm. his immediate reaction was just like, damn it. I just gave her $50. (laughs) Um, It was really funny, but he ended up going on to say that he loves me no matter what and that all that he cares about is that I'm happy and that whoever I'm with is making me happy and, you know, um, not disrespecting me or anything like that. Um, and then he, my mom, I think was at work at the time and he asked me, he said, do you want me to tell your mom or do you want to tell her yourself? And I was like, you can tell her cause I don't know when I'm going to get a phone call next. Um, <laughs> and he was like, okay. And, um, You know, I think my mom had a couple questions when I got home, but after answering those questions, um, she was also, you know, I mean, she was always accepting, but I think she just had some, some clarifying questions. So after that, um, you know, everything was, everything was, was great. And I'm really, you know, lucky that that's how that turned out.
0: Yeah, it's a really great and fun story. You know, I, Yeah, you know, like when you shared what your dad answered you I was like, "Oh, wow, it's it's, it's so it's so great. It's so amazing to have such such great parents, such supportive parents who mm-hmm. like, you know, accept your choices." Yeah. Still I wonder. Have you ever had anything your parents didn't accept? Yeah. <laughs> um
1: there's, a, there's a couple things. I think that my parents often come around, um, to, to accepting, um, you know, I played football with boys when I was in elementary school and they let me do that. And then once I got to middle school, which I know that many uh, countries education systems are different. So, um, once I hit kind of eight years old, uh, maybe nine, nine years old, um my parents didn't want me to play football anymore um Mm. on the boys team there were no teams for girls at the time um and this is full contact football you know pads and everything American football Mm. um and um they had told me that the boys are getting too big and they were worried about me getting hurt and so they didn't let me play and I think every year I always ask them can I play football this year and throughout high school through high school, um, and there were times where our high school football coach—he's um, a very popular football high school football coach—and he would ask me, "When you when you come into play for me? When you come into play for me?" And um, I had told him that my parents, you know, feel like I'm gonna get hurt, and da da da. Dah. He was like, "I'll talk to them. I'll talk to them." Like, <laughs> um, but. know he was like we can put you in a position where you won't get hurt you know like we could put you as punter a kicker i bet you you could kick you know so he was always hyping me up and um they my parents stayed very firm on their no with that and it caused like a lot of um honestly pain for me at that time i mean it, it was something that i really really wanted to do and felt passionate about and um uh at that time i was like you know in good health you know and um, I ended up getting to play uh, women's professional football um, in my junior and senior year of college. So 2013 to 2015 um, for a team called the Pittsburgh Passion. Um, we were at one year we were in the Women's Football Association League. And then the other the other year we were in the Independent Women's Football Associate, Association League or IWFL, Independent Women's. Yeah. football. Season. There's just too many acronyms. Um, and we won the championship both years. Um, but I also was, um, both of those years, I was really starting to feel, well, more so my senior year, I was getting a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was definitely like directly connected to my military service. And I just wasn't performing to... Um, to the ability that I wanted to perform at. Um, I felt very slow, my knees were hurting, um, my wrists were hurting. And so um, it just I didn't really get much playing time as much as much playing time as I wanted to. And um, I don't feel like I did the best that I could have done. So um, there's like, there's still some pain around that as well, where it's like, you know, that was like, of all any time, that was my time to shine in the sport that I wanted to play. And really didn't get to so. And then shortly after that, I was um, diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So um, that was kind of the start of everything there.
0: I have this question: How fibromyalgia influenced your life?
1: Um, it has changed my life drastically. Um, uh, fibromyalgia is something that it affects the entire body. And, um, it's different for everyone who has fibromyalgia. There's people, um, that have a really hard time, um, you know, just getting into the shower, um, Mm. with fibromyalgia. And I do have those days where my body is really stiff and it hurts really bad. Um, but I mean, it's, it's really changed a lot of things. I mean, it, it, cost me to quit football um you know which I think again was in the stars it's fine I think I I have moved through like that, that you know that that that's happened it is what it is um but you know just um I mean anything physical you know going out dancing um which is something that I also really uh, did enjoy um I mean, anything physical, really, I mean, it, it really has changed um, how I need to think about physical activity. Um, if my friends are like, hey, we're going for a bike ride, um, I have to have an electric bike and an assisted bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, um, you know, carrying the bike up and down the stairs, its like that's really hard for me. And so if, it is, uh, I think, a lot of people call fibromyalgia an invisible disability. And it really is, because I think, when people look at me, you know, I'm 30 years old and I've had fibromyalgia since, uh, diagnosed since 2017, but I think 2016 was the real start of mm. it. But, um, you know, I've had fibromyalgia now for, um, for several years and people would look at me and, and even including doctors would look at me and say, there's, you're so young, you know, what do you, like, what do you mean you're in this much pain? Um, so it's really hard sometimes to be believed that I'm in the pain that I'm in. I mean, I have gone years pushing through it, um, in the military. I had to push through it the last couple of years that I was in, um, cause you just have to do what you do when, when you're on a contract. Um, so it has, it has changed things a lot for me and I have avoided taking, um, medications uh, for it just because I, I really tried to think about, um, uh, there's symptoms and the symptoms are warning signs. And if Mm -hmm. I cover up the symptoms, what does that actually do? Um, I want to get down to the bottom of why I have fibromyalgia. And, um, for me personally, I don't believe that pain medication or, um, you know, um, muscle relaxes or or anything like that is going to get down to the bottom of, of the thing. So, um, of the situation. So I choose not to take medication. Um, and that that also is uh another um you know difficulty for me um because some people they don't understand, especially doctors, you know, well, we have this medication we're offering you, why don't you take it? You must not be yeah. if you're not taking the medication. Um so yeah, it's it's definitely a roller coaster.
0: Did you get to the bottom?
1: Um I believe, and some doctors uh in studies agree with this as well, that Fibromyalgia is caused by suppressed emotions um, or like a a severe traumatic event. Um, I think also it could be, you know, several traumatic events kind of adding up. Um, And I think that the military was really traumatic for me. You know, I was never deployed, um, but I had had like several instances of sexual assault. Um, I also believe that um, they actually have changed their training model their basic training model drastically since i've been in Mm. but um there's not just within basic training but i think throughout the military there's a lot of emotional abuse and it's kind of um swept under the rug as like normal or like what you should expect from the military Um, it's it's kind of you're kind of desensitized to it being a an issue um, but I I really, I read it for what it was. And I saw a lot of bad leadership, a lot of um, leading from fear. Um, and it, I just didn't agree with it. I didn't agree with the way that we were treated. I didn't agree with the way that we were talked to um, and the way that leaders, a lot of leaders um, tried to gain uh, subordination and, and tried to gain followers. I didn't agree with it. So Um, I think at my core, I'm a very sensitive person. Um, I'm very empathetic. And I think that, um, it was a lot for my, for my nervous system. And I think that it was, I think that my fibromyalgia is a result of all of those pain points.
0: How music in your life helps you to deal with it?
1: It helps me a lot. I mean, like music, um, it is an emotional release I can write down you know word for word what I want to say directly or I can kind of um use metaphors and and make it more you know poetic or um less direct and so it feels really good to be able to to say what I'm feeling in that way and then also too you know music is a community and it brings people together um it helps people heal it helps like I said you know bring people joy um i think it helps other people you know realize the things that they have also went through um i've had people who actually had this woman come up to me after a performance um i have a an album that's a pretty heavy album it's about my military experience Mm -hmm. uh, called the golden opportunity very very heavy album i i barely perform it unless if someone requests me to perform it um and I performed it and this woman, I could hear her while I was ending the song, I could hear her crying. And she approached me after um, I got off stage and I sat down and she said that she was a Lieutenant Colonel, I believe in the air force. And she said, you just made me realize that I experienced sexual assault
0: mm. in
1: the military. and. I think that I've been suppressing this and holding this for so many years. And, um, she was like, you know, I, I, like, can't thank you enough for like bringing this to the light for me. And it's moments like that, where it's like, Whoa, like mu- how much music can do. Um, and that brings me, you know, it, it doesn't obviously it doesn't bring me joy that someone else has hurt in the same way that I've hurt, But, um, it does like bring a sense of relief that um, music is a way of healing. Music is, in and, and by healing, you know, recognizing that something happened. Okay, now I I recognize this. Now I need to work through it.
0: You know, when Chester Bennington out of Lincoln Park passed, my friend told me this phrase and it's, it sticked with me like for, for years. And he told his music saved so many people but couldn't save him
1: mm. yeah
0: and at this moment you know like I, I i had conversations with people and they asked me like why why lincoln park and i was like i don't know it's still one of my favorite bands and you know and currently right now i'm understanding the lyrics i'm going through lyrics. i still have those emotions mm-hmm. but when i was a teenager you know it helped me i really it 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 kept me sane basically yeah. yeah. and yeah, I totally, I totally get it. And you know, I, I have goosebumps when mm-hmm. you were saying this because I, yeah, I feel like music is one of the greatest powerful things in the world and
1: yeah. Wow. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree.
0: What was your favorite Nickelodeon cartoon?
1: Oh, what a great question. Um, Hands down, Hey hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. How come? I think um, there were, I I didn't even realize it when I was younger and I was watching it. But I recently, um, I'd say maybe nine, ten months ago, I rewatched Hey Arnold. Not all of it, but good majority. And I was like, oh my God, there are so many lessons within Mm. every single episode. Sometimes there's three or four lessons within one episode. Uh. Um about telling the truth, about how, you know, like honesty is the best policy. Um conflict, you know, like I I have this issue with this person and it's like they, they hurt my feelings and um I should tell them so that they know and so that they have a chance to apologize and we can make amends and, you know, be good again, you know, and um, just doing the right thing when no one's watching. Like, there's just so many good lessons throughout Hey Arnold. And I think um, that combined with the jazz mm-hmm. that, that they had on it, the jazz music was amazing. Um, yeah, I think, I, I really do think it was the most perfect cartoon.
0: After you said that I really want to review it because I remember I was watching it, but I have no idea what what it was about. Mm. But now, yeah, i'll I'll it yeah. a second chance. how how did you How do you decide to re- review it?
1: Um, I believe the last time I watched it, it was on Hulu. If you have Hulu, um it may also be on amazon prime
0: Hmm. yeah you know i'm from ukraine i can get everything anywhere i know how those different websites work and (laughs) yeah so it's a fun it's a fun thing but i sometimes i'm talking to people and like have you seen this movie and they're like oh it's on some subscription service i do not have a subscription i was like really (laughs) and it's so fun
1: We're going to have to have a conversation about
0: that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know why, but, um, maybe it's because of, you know, Ukraine was not that, um, people didn't have enough money to buy everything, Mm. but I feel like almost every piece of software I've ever had was somehow cracked somehow, you know, like, oh, and, um, on the, only when I was working in the bank, uh, they they had um, really legitimate software because they had to buy it, otherwise they could be sued. But right. you know, as as per as persons with like nah, never, right. and uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's really interesting, and I will I will I will really rewatch it. And also, I'm curious, have you seen South Park?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: How do you feel about it?
1: You know, I, I haven't seen it in so long. And when I was watching it, I was actually pretty young. I probably should not have been watching it. Um, but I have two older brothers that are six years older than me. So I got away with a lot of things. Um, how do I feel about it? I don't know. it has It's literally been so long since I have seen it. Um, and I've heard that it's changed a lot because I think they're still making episodes if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that there were definitely funny moments from what I remember. Um, I think that there were kind of, uh, you know, similar to the other, you know, similar to like Family Guy or American mm-hmm. Dad mm-hmm. or anything like that. It it does bring like that satire and kind of the sarcastic, um, you know, v- viewpoints of what's happening specifically in America. Um, it's kind of like there's a, I think there's a lot of times where it's making fun of America. Um, And so, you know, I think that there's some, there's some moments that are laughable. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, some people, I feel like some people may find those moments offensive, Mm -hmm. but in general, yeah, it's like, you know, laughing on imperfections and understanding that that is how it is, you know. Yeah. We can we can shut up about it. We can laugh of it, or we can make some changes. So it's it's up to people. And yeah, I I'm curious if if you will have time to rewatch it. I'm, I I I really ask you to share your thoughts with me. So please do it.
1: Yeah, and I will. I will.
0: What is the backstory of the first tattoo you've ever made?
1: Oh wow. um the first tattoo that I ever got was a um, a tattoo on my side, and uh, on my, the side of my ribs. And it's an and I I still to this day don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, and I've never looked it up to find out. But it's an it's an ambogram, so it's a word that says um, one thing one way, and then when you flip it upside down, it says another thing. Mm. I think they can also say the same thing both ways. Um, and I was like, (laughs) I laugh about this now because I, I was 19 when I got my first tattoo. Um, and it was this like obsession. Like I was like, Ambergrams are so cool. Like so awesome that you can design a word to say one thing one way and the other thing the other. And so, um, I had paid this Ambergram artist to, to create, um, my first tattoo. So mm. he drew it, and then I took it to a tattoo artist to get it tattooed. And it says "seasons" one way, and then when you change, when you flip it over, it says "change." So seasons change.
0: Mm.
1: And um, for me, it was, you know, a reminder that, like, obviously, you know, uh, you could be in bad times, and um, seasons change. Things things will get better eventually. And then also on the flip side, which I think a lot of people don't say when they say seasons change, the thing could be really good, but they also can get bad again.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: like when they are really good, like be grateful because they could get bad. Um, and I I, I never want to say that in a way of fear of like, you know, like I think sometimes um, we might have this go to where we have, okay, we got something good and we like, can't believe it's true. You know, this is too good to be true. Or, um, I think some, some people say waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, if they get all of these, um, good things in their life, you know, they get married and they find a really, a really nice house that they love and they buy the house and everything's really seamless. Sometimes Mm. people will say like, things are too, things are going too good right now. Like what's, (laughs) what's, what is, you know, about to happen that's bad? And I, I try not to lead with that mindset of like, okay, things are good right now. So something bad is going to happen, but more so things are good right now. And I want to be grateful for all of these things. And I like, I outwardly thank the universe, um, like when I met my partner, I like literally was like, thank you universe. appreciate you. You know, when I found my apartment, when, um, it just, you know, when I got a job, like all these different things, I always just say, you know, thank you universe, you know, appreciate you for looking out.
0: And I feel like it works. Mm-hmm. Because I, me, myself, I recently started to talk to higher power. Mm-hmm. And it it helps to, you know, kind of like, at least for me, it helps to say that you are not alone. And mm-hmm. if something bad happens, as, 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 you've told, it's, it's easier to seasons changes and yeah. it's easier to overcome bad things when you are not alone, when you have, you know, somebody behind you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If, uh, in comparison, when you are all alone, you know, without any people around you and about without any higher powers, let's say around you mm-hmm. and, uh, you told about uh, that people like oh it's too good it can be and it reminded me right away love yourself you deserve mm-hmm. it now yeah so exactly <laughs> it's everywhere and uh, yeah i yeah it's, it's 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 really it's really great and i still wonder you you wrote this amazing phrase that i found on i guess it was twitter I'm proud of my unlearning, learning, and overall growth. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, how did you learn to unlearn things?
1: Yeah, I mean, great question. I think that um, anytime we face opposition of our views or values, someone questions them. Like you say, I believe red is the is the best color. Someone <laughs> says, No, actually greatness and if we can in that moment instead of getting defensive ask questions to understand and say oh why do you think that oh how long have you felt that way oh Mm -hmm. okay and we can kind of get other people's perspective then our viewpoint or our values or our opinions can change and shift and i think that that is just one of the biggest things that I've had to learn and that I've unlearned and learned um, is that give a person a chance like to explain and try not to assume, um, try not to take things personally. Um, and I know that that can be really difficult, especially when someone has a very far out wild opinion. I'll say that I'll say it that way. Um, but I have noticed that anytime I have like remained calm and asked questions instead of assuming and trying to understand, and it goes to listening to understand rather listening to respond. Um, it has always worked out for me. And I think that even in the moments where I agree to disagree with someone, Uh, you know, like, okay, well, you know, you told me why green is your favorite color. I don't necessarily agree. I still think red is my favorite color. Um, But, you know, or I still, you know, feel that way. Um, But I can at least hear them out. And I think that even then I still learn something. Um, And I think that that's the, that's the, the main way that I have learned to unlearn.
0: Have you ever been that way or you changed at some moment moment of your life?
1: I think that there are definitely times, especially early teens, early 20s where I was like very determined to um, make other people believe what I believe. Mm. You know, my what I believe is right. Um, you know, I'm on the right side of things. I'm on the right side of social justice. I'm on the right side of you know, uh, this restaurant is, is the best, you know, (laughs) like, um, I definitely think that there were times, you know, and I think that it's not all the time. It, It wasn't all the time. I always thought that I was right, but I do think that there are definitely times where I, you know, went tooth and nail to defend what I believed. Um, and I, I think like that's, that comes from a myriad of factors, you know, like I, like I said, I have two older brothers that are six, six years older than me um, and they're twins and, you know, we fought a lot growing up. Uh, So I think, you know, there is a part of me that I grew up having to be defensive Mm. um, about anything and everything. And um, yeah, I think that, you know, as I have grown older, I have recognized that um, just because you disagree with someone about something, it doesn't necessarily have to be a fight.
0: Do you still have fights with your brothers right now?
1: Not really. No, we're uh, thankfully we've, (laughs) we've moved on from that. (laughs) I think we have disagreements for sure. Mm. We have disagreements. Um, But I don't, I wouldn't say that there are fights.
0: How did you feel when your grandmother called you to tell you she saw you on TV?
1: Oh, wow. That was so long ago. (laughs) Um, It was cool. It was really awesome. I think, um, I I mean I don't know I mean I think I always i when I was growing up I always like had this vision that I would be a performer um mm. very from a very young age um also going back to Nickelodeon during during all that the show all that um like I would like sing like I would like dance on the my mom and dad's bed while watching it on the TV and I would like have a mic in my hand and I would always picture that that bed was actually a stage. Mm. And I always like, I've always pictured myself as that. And so, um, I think like when things, when things like that happen where my grandmother calls me and says, I saw you on TV, you know, it's, it's this, like, it's so, it's such a difficult feeling to describe. It's very surreal. It's very, um, I think sometimes I'm really quick to, um, to d- dismiss my accomplishments as accomplishments mm-hmm. um, you know i'm kind of like oh yeah haha, cool <laughs> you know like uh, you know people i i don't think i have a hard time accepting compliments i think that i have a hard time with like really feeling them um sometimes and i think that that goes into layers of self-confidence and doubt and and you know questioning um you know my abilities and things like that so it was, it was a, a mixture of feelings when she called me and told me that. I, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, it was no big deal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really cool.
0: You, you are saying, you are telling me your story that you always wanted to be this artistic kind of person. And I just can't understand why did you decide to join military?
1: Mm, such a great question. I think I was, uh, it's a mixture of, um brainwashing Mm. um acting out of fear and you know a lot of people ask me like did you join the military just because you come from a military family yes and no you know no one no one in my family said you you need to join the military if you don't join the military we're going to be disappointed in you because i know Mm -hmm. that some people come from those families yeah um It wasn't necessarily that. I think that there were a lot of positive stories about the military that I grew up hearing um, and not as many negative ones. Um, But I was really fearful of being in debt and I really wanted to go to college. And I think, you know, we're thinking I'm in high, I'm a junior in high school. I'm 17 years old in 2010. Mm -hmm. And this is when people are starting to make their decisions of what college they're going to. And there was a lot of pressure then um, to go to college. And I think that that has lessened. Now I I've heard high school students tell me that their teachers like, tell them, do whatever you want, go to a trade school, you know, be a mechanic, be a chef, you know, whatever um, you don't need to go to college, you know? So I think that's a much different vibe right now um, in American high schools, but then it was like, you need to figure out what college you're going to. And, we're doing this exercise in English class because this is going to prepare you for college. And we're, I mean, it was just college, 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 university, university, university. That's all that they talked about. Mm. And I really not many people from my family, um, uh, went to college and I was like this, like, I, I want to do this. I need to do this. And how can I do this without being in debt? Um, so it was a lot of that. And then simultaneously, I was in a program in high school called uh, J-R-O-T-C, which is Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps. Hmm. And um, it was a Marine program within the high school. And I, I joined my freshman year. And I was really, really good at it. And I broke a lot of records, um, like, really quickly. And usually they have a senior as, like, the the student commander, Um, usually you have to be a senior, you have to be in 12th grade, but I was breaking all these records and had shown, um, my leadership style and everything like that. And they actually gave me, um, that responsibility when I was a junior. So I, it was like unheard of that a junior would be the student commander. So I was really good at it. And I said, okay, I'm really good at military stuff with rose colored glasses on because, JRTC in high school was much different from military real world. I'm really good at this. Um, my family has told me positive things. I come from a military family. I can't be in debt. I want to go to college. And then, you know, some brainwashing mixed throughout there. Um, so that's like, that's really why I chose to do it. Um, I think also there was like a lot of lies that I was told from my recruiter, you know, different jobs that I could have in the military, which technically are true. You can have, you can be a veterinarian. You can work with pets in the military. You can be a firefighter in the military, but Mm -hmm. what they don't tell you is that getting those jobs is very, very rare. And, um, you need to prove, uh, throughout time, almost some, you know, depending upon what, what job you're talking about, but you need to prove throughout time that that's what you want to do and where you want to be to get there. And it takes years sometimes to get there. Um, so I think that there were some lies all as well sprinkled in there, and that's why I chose to join the military.
0: Yeah, it's a long story, and it was a huge part of your life. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really it's really very interesting. And you know, really, I really, I really wish to have the sky as a limit to our conversation, but time is the limit. So yeah. let's jump to the rapid fire questions. All right. Ginger tea or coffee?
1: Ooh. Um... Ginger tea.
0: Ride a motorcycle or play a DJ set?
1: Ooh, you did research on me. That's not fair. Um, Ride a motorcycle.
0: What are your favorite color and song?
1: Favorite color is maroon. Favorite song is molasses by Hiatus Coyote.
0: If you were a superhero, what superpower would you have?
1: Ooh, um... I think I would want to teleport.
0: Who do you learn from in the community world? Just name one person.
1: Ooh, um, that is so hard. Mm, name one person.
0: Uh,
1: just one. Just yes. one. I'm learning from like ten right now. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm gonna say you because of of. Of how much you post and your posts are really awesome, and your podcast is really awesome. So
0: this <laughs> is a little bit of a cheating, but okay. So <laughs> name two people who I should definitely reach out to have this conversation with.
1: Ooh, um, I would say my coworkers, um, my coworkers Renee and Anna.
0: Got it, and. Is there one question that I definitely should have asked you but didn't?
1: Um, hmm. <laughs> Cookies. Gingerbread or chocolate chip?
0: <laughs> Let me guess. It's a it's, it's super hard question, you know, because you, you kind of chose ginger tea. It's kind of a little bit of a clue, but it may be a twist here. So let's go with chocolate chips.
1: You are correct.
0: (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, Brittany, thank you very much for this conversation. I really enjoyed following you on LinkedIn, listening to your music. And I just had this huge curiosity of who is this person inside? Like, what is Britney's human side? And now I can't say that I know you at all in general, like fully, but from what I've heard today, you are such a nice and open and empathetic and just kind and great person that I'm really, you know, that I'm really happy that we had this conversation. And uh, you you made me feel very comfortable talking to you. And thank you very much for that
1: of course thank you and thank you for having me um when you reached out i said i was like oh my God, i'm so excited to talk to you i was so excited so thank you for reaching out and thank you for your time
0: thank you very much and see you in the community world
1: <laughs> all right yep see ya